0: Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025 select styles only.
1: All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an MLB podcast. It's Wednesday. It's June 12th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is
2: James James. Davis.
1: And we are going to be talking an evening slate of MLB action for FanDuel and DraftKings. Maybe we'll get some betting talk in there as well. We're from DailyFantasySportsRankings.com. But you don't want to type in all those letters because you're lazy. You want to go DF. Now you know what? Never mind. You're not lazy. I take it back. You the listener are not. <laughs> you're, not hard lazy. <laughs> you're hard working. You're yeah, hard working. you're so laser focused that the type in all those letters on your keyboard
2: would just You be... meant to say laser focused, but it sounded like lazy for a second.
1: <laughs> well, you, you, know, you say tomato, I say tomato. But you want to type in DFSR.com, DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you the podcast listener started on our premium projections powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab, Optimal Lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. MLB, NFL when the season comes around, NBA obviously, it's all covered in the one subscription. So dfsr.com slash deals will get you going. We are going to kind of skip over the the afternoon slate of Wednesday action as we usually do on this podcast, uh, just because by the time it comes out, some of these slates um, are you know maybe starting in earnest. So we'll focus on the evening uh, run of games. And I think there's plenty to talk about here, so I'm not too too worried about it. Where do you want to start? Let's start with pitching. There's some good, good arms going here, some bums, too. We'll get to the bums in shortly. That are t- It's easy to make a case against some of these guys because there are some truly, truly terrible pitchers going here mm-hmm. today. But um, there's some good ones, too. There's some ace-level kind of guys. Where do you want to start in terms of cash games, Fanduel, DraftKings? I don't know if you see a difference between like the pricings making a difference between those two sites for you today. But where do you want to start here with pitchers?
2: Well yeah, it's a really interesting sleep today, Doug. Um, I know you
1: were think- practicing that. I know you were practicing <laughs> that. <laughs> I know you're practicing that like before we started recording. You're like, this is just really interesting. <laughs> like, Let me make it sound believable. <laughs> it's mid-June, buddy. We got we got three more months
2: of this thing. It's like how they say, like, when you're not feeling good, you just have to smile anyway, because that will like release the endorphins or whatever. Uh, that's how I feel about as the DFS baseball season goes along sometimes. Um, and it's not for lack of love of baseball, by the way, i I read every article on Fangrass. It's just sometimes it's hard to find interesting things to say about which players to play for DFS on a given day. Uh, season, that being said,
1: cut, let me cut, let me cut in there real quick. I just don't want to yeah, say season baseball. And look, I, this is a DFS podcast, so I'm not, I'm not bagging on baseball. It's just baseball for DFS purposes can be a labor of love, especially if you're kind of coming around to this podcast. Now, um, baseball in a lot of ways does play a little does play better in season long we actually did our first piece of season long content that came out on sunday mm-hmm. with a chris thorell's waiver wire report um so he's gonna be kind of publishing that each week um but yeah baseball definitely is like more of a long game than a short game i just want to try to clarify your maybe i don't want to call it disinterest because man when P- <laughs> i was the
2: one that said it was an interesting slate and you're the one that started jumping down my throat about all right hit it, us so. hit
1: us up with some pictures here where do you want to go all right fine
2: Um, so yeah first of all I do think it might be a little bit different on FanDuel and DraftKings today and I'll explain why so Verlander is the obvious ace going today Um, you know obviously the 2.4 ERA is going to draw a lot of attention the 10.57 case per nine like the guy is still an ace level pitcher even if the peripherals are trailing last season's like truly exorbitant numbers at least on some level Um, and I think both on FanDuel and DraftKings you will see some ownership the thing that's kind of The fly in his ointment, I guess, today is that he's going up against Brandon Woodruff and the Milwaukee Brewers. And right now, Verlander's only a minus 131 favorite. And a lot of that's because Woodruff himself has been basically Verlander's equal this year. (laughs) He's got a a 10.9K per nine, um, a 3.43 XFIP, which actually surpasses Verlander. So, you know, you have two really, really good pitchers going up against one another and Verlander, or uh, Woodruff rather, one of those rare cases of a guy who's uh, moved over from the bullpen and just been just as effective as a starter. So, uh, you know, what's essentially a pick'em, I wouldn't be shocked to see our projection system lean in a less expensive direction. Uh, Because it's not that Verlander isn't the best pitcher on the slate. I believe that he is. It's just that when you have other pitchers that have, like Joey Lucchesi, for instance, has, has almost exactly the same implied runs against today, and he's much less expensive. So I could definitely see our system leaning in that direction.
1: Yeah, um, I, I'm glad you mentioned Woodruff because I think he's going to be end up being something of a consideration as a pitcher, too, on DraftKings as well. Definitely, the, so cheap. The, and, it's, and it's crazy, too, because what you really typically don't want to do in D, for DFS purposes, it's, again, a little different for season long, but for DFS purposes, running good pitchers into really good hitting teams, usually you can avoid it, right? There's usually enough options where, um, you know, you don't need to really think about, like, in this case, running Verlander against the Brewers, or or going the other way, running Woodruff against the Astros. Who, by the way, for all of their injuries, this is still a team that's hitting real. It's it's actually kind of amazing how good the Astros have been on offense sure. uh, this season, considering that they've lost Altuve. They're playing without Altuve, Springer, and uh, Correa at this point right now. Like. You know, mm-hmm. arguably three of their four best hitters. Bregman's probably their best hitter, but Altuve uh, and Bregman are close. But either way, the fact that Church they're brain. they're looking they're looking so good, um, dealing with all these injuries, and yet at, at times, and this kind of helps us too, the sites will downgrade uh, some of the pricing based on better matchups or like we see in, in cores with better parks. So uh, I think it's going to be a close kind of call here between Verlander and Woodruff. I wouldn't mind going even stacking kind of both of them in cash games against each other because the peripherals for the price do seem like they line up what are your thoughts here on uh you, you mentioned kind of in passing lucchese um he's got he's striking out more than a batter per nine the xFIP fip is under four uh it's about a, i don't know about a half run lower than his era this season he gets he draws a pretty strong matchup against uh, a really really underwhelming giants team um with i believe that's the lowest implied total on the day uh, actually no never mind houston and milwaukee's that right down there too, but. Is he is he a suitable pivot for you? Knowing that this Giants team, I mean, I know they kind of switch things up a little bit with you know Yaz in the second spot and stuff, but it's just still it's still a pretty bad squad. Does he? How does he rank compared to the guys that you mentioned before?
2: Well, like I said on FanDuel especially, he's just so much cheaper than Verlander in particular. Like he's seventy nine hundred, and yeah, he doesn't have quite the same case stuff of the other guys that we've mentioned, but still striking out a batter per inning is plenty of strikeouts for a sub right. eight thousand dollar price tag. And going against the Giants in San Francisco is just such a terrific matchup. I mean, you've got a team here that, yeah, they've moved some pieces around, but it really is shuffling around deck chairs on the Titanic. This team is dead last in the majors in WOBA against left-handed pitching. They're actually tied with the Marlins, but unlike the Marlins, they still strike out a lot. They strike out almost 24% of the time against lefties uh, with the second or third lowest walk rate in the majors against lefties as well. So it's really just a dream matchup from top to bottom. A great pitcher's park. I think that if if you're just hunting around for floor, I think Lucchese is good for that reason too. Um, The only thing that I kind of don't like about him is he doesn't have a tendency to go super deep into games. Uh, He's averaging just five and a half innings per start this season. So that's obviously not going to be on the level of a guy like Verlander. But again, in DFS, we're comparing production to price. And I think, you know, all factors taken together, the additional savings you get on Lucchese really matter. And I, I know we'll get to stacks in just a little bit here, but there are some really truly terrible pitchers going today, and you're gonna to wanna to invest as much as you can in the bats that are going up against those. So yeah, all all factors together, I think it's Lucchese on fan duel for me.
1: The good news on Lucchese too with those innings per start is that it is a little bit left over from earlier in the season. Cause if you look at his more recent run, he had five innings last game, but before that it was six and a third, six and two thirds, seven innings in the three previous starts. So some of the some of the innings pitched per start are left over from, like, a, f- a couple four-inning starts in his first six games, the uh, low fives to start the year when I think he was on a pitch count, too. So, I mean, I've been sort of slowly bumping up his um, sort of innings pitch and pitches per start as the season goes on because it does seem like they're stretching it out. He's been able to go a little longer games. He doesn't – look, he doesn't reach the heights of what Verlander can do on a given game. Like, Ver, these guys like Verlander and Bauer and Scherzer – sale these are the guys that go I'm, I'm throwing those other guys in because those like Bauer they've run for like 120 pitches at times um like these guys will just go out there and the teams will just go out there and throw them a ton Luke easy this is clearly not in that group last guy I kind of wanted to get your opinion on this guy I could actually couldn't believe how young he still is Jose Barry is only 25 I, I for some reason just thought he was older I feel like he's been in the major he feels like he's been in the majors longer that he should be older than he is but um like he must have made his debut when he was like 21 or 20 but uh he's his peripherals, the strikeouts aren't there, but the, the K to walk stuff is 8.5 Ks to 1.6 walks this season. He faces a Seattle team that really really came out of the gate hot. They have definitely cooled off a little bit as the season's gone on, sort of predictably. Uh, where do you land with him? The, uh, he's a, he's the biggest Moneyline favorite of the day at minus 230. Um, how much do those win odds kind of play in for you? And, you know, at some point will the win odds – can the win odds just kind of win the day like on FanDuel too, where where that, that specific stat is still very important?
2: Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's kind of funny with Berrios. Uh the tail, the tape on him as he was coming up was that he was going to be this overwhelming strikeout guy in the majors. And at least compared to the guys that we're really used to considering being ace level, Berrios really hasn't turned into that. He's actually turned into more more of a command guy, which again, he always had decent control in the minors, but you know, I don't think a lot of people projected him going full seasons with a sub-two uh, walks per nine. So, yeah, he's a good pitcher. I think there's a high floor there. I think, to your point about the uh, sorry, the money line, goodness me, I'm losing yeah. losing track of my mind here, uh, about the money line, I think that's a solid one on FanDuel as well. One thing that we see, though, is that these pitchers with a high floor, they tend to become pretty expensive pretty quickly, and I don't see Berrios as being that much better fundamentally than Casey today and since you only play one pitcher paying 1700 more for a guy who strikes out fewer batters per nine and has a higher implied runs against today like that just doesn't seem like where I'm probably going to land so I, I definitely think the floor is there interesting big tournament pivot from my perspective but for cash I don't see him quite getting over the hump
1: yeah it's interesting what you said about like sort of your pricing relative to consistency we see this with basketball a lot too right if you're just kind of doing the same thing every single game for a couple weeks straight you're just going to be priced out of contention not because you're not good but just because your price is reflective of what you just do on a very consistent basis and baseball doesn't always lend itself to that because it's a high variance sport that your performances can really fluctuate from game to game or you can run into two bad starts in a row and all of a sudden your price dips 10 to 15 percent and then you buy on like you know you buy the dip as it were but um barros just hasn't suffered that kind of thing actually another guy that that hasn't really happened to this year and he's probably and i want to caution people because i think that he'll come up as some people will want to play him is mike soraka mike soraka is among the most expensive pitchers on the slate for sort of just the reason that we're talking about except he's combining he's combining um sort of consistency with just a massive amount of luck too and so now you get a guy in soraka against the, against the pirates today good money line favorite pirates are a fine matchup that you can go up against He's 10,600 on Fanduel. On like, that's, that's 500 less than Verlander. And his peripherals, he strikes out less than eight batters per nine, walks two, fine, good pitcher. Like, would take him on my team as a third starter or something like that. But the ERA, the 1.3 ERA is just not tenable. I, the, the, the XFIP is a full two runs higher than this. So I think sometimes if you're still a person that gets caught up in ERA and gets caught up in, like, Oh, he's a gamer, you know, seven wins. This guy just kind of guts it out or he just gets out. It's like a 2.19 BABIP and an 80% left on base percentage. Uh that's just not going to you're not going to be able to sustain those things. So
2: No, probably not. I mean, Syracuse is kind of interesting cuz he has been generating a lot more ground balls than I think many people sure. pictured that he would and, you know, that's kind of that's why even with the relatively underwhelming K rates, he's still you know, has a, a I mean a 3.51 exit for a 21-year-old pitcher like You're looking at a potential star in the making. It's just that for DFS purposes, you'd really prefer strikeouts rather than ground balls. And there's so much that goes on with how quickly he's getting out of innings that has inflated his fantasy points per game. And I think that's like where people really get hung up. Like If you read articles out there and they're talking about this guy has X fantasy points per game, well, there's this cascading effect, right? So if you're getting out of innings faster than you would be under normal conditions, you're going to go deeper into games than you would under normal conditions. And a lot of Soraka's fantasy points per game have just come from sort of randomly going super deep into games. Uh, One of the biggest reasons for that as well is the extraordinarily low home runs per nine. I mean, this guy's pitched 65 in a third innings this season. He's given up a single home run. There's just no indication that that's going to be the case for him throughout his career. I mean, he really did depress home runs per nine in the minors as well. So like, Maybe there's something to it. But if he can actually like keep this up, I mean, he won't keep this up, but even some semblance of this up, as he progresses through his career, he'll be a singular unique pitcher uh, for all time in baseball. And singular talents just don't tend to come around that often. So so my bet is on some regression here.
1: Yeah, exactly. I wasn't calling him a bad pitcher. I think he's good. He's very good. It's not that. He's just not... He just shouldn't be the most – he shouldn't be the second most expensive pitcher. Like, that's all – that's kind of right. what I was most on – a, on a slate that looks like this. Like, where you have these other guys that have some track record, um, have some better case stuff. That's all – that's kind of all I meant. He's still a big favorite. Minus 230 is right up there with where Barrios is as well. And that's warranted. The Pirates are a bad team. Mitch Keller's terrible. We're going to talk about him and Stacks in a second. But, um, yeah, so I just, I'm clarifying. I, I, he's a good pitcher. I'm just – I'm mostly relative to saying he's not an 11. He's not – he should not – with these peripherals, he's, he's going to be – Cheaper than this many more times for the rest of the season than he's going to be more expensive, would be my guess. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get back with some of those aforementioned stacks.
0: Fall is finally here and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family. And stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out, hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. Fall is finally here and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family. And stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out, hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only.
1: Okay, let's get into some of these stacks. We have to start it off. I don't. I mean, I think everyone's going to kind of be starting here. Is that we're getting a game between Edwin Jackson and David Hess? I can't even say it. You don't I'm like the baby. combined
2: 19 ERA for these guys so far this season?
1: <laughs> it's just so funny with some of these teams. It's just like mid-June, the Blue Jays are throwing out Edwin Jackson, the Orioles are throwing out David Hess. There's just teams that were just like have been completely dumpstered. And, the season, and we saw like many months to go of these guys. Like Edwin Jackson. David Hess is
2: definitely looking at the line and being like, "I just got a text. Someone just texted me and said I'm favored today against the team. <laughs> I have a That's Google insane. alert. I have a Google alert <laughs> Google. set up on my.
1: I have a Google alert set up on my name, and it came up as like i 'I'm um, yeah.' As they have a lower implied runs. Like people are just astounded than me, but. I saw that I'm facing Edwin today. Oh my god! Like Edwin, now, don't Eddie be confused. Yeah, I don't Eddie want Jackson you to be confused guy. by Edwin Jackson's 20 innings of 11.9 ERA. So like, don't be confused. He's not like if you or me took the mound. But the xFIP is six, and he's striking. Out, I can't even look at these. These numbers are an absolute trainer. He's striking out seven batter less than seven batters per nine, walking more than three and a half. Now he could he could claim that he's run bad in the Babbitt at 3.94. I I guess like the the, the counterpoint to that would be. When you let up like... Yeah, what's his hard contact rate? Yeah, when you let up like a 50% hard contact rate, like, I don't know. You're going to get kind of bad when ball's just getting laced all over the place.
2: <laughs> Jackson's you. funny too because... Well, there's two things. First of all, my this game log looks like the Fibonacci sequence or something. It's like <laughs> three, six, seven, ten runs a game. But the funny thing is he's actually worse in real life than the ERA would suggest. Because of all that hard contact, it's been really hard for the defense to stay behind him too. So like... He's allowed unearned runs in three of his five starts as well, just because he's lasers flying all over the field and just basically fielders getting hurt and stuff like that. It's like bouncing off people's chest. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I mean. It's like giving the other team metal bats or something. It's like <laughs> at some point this just becomes unsafe and uh...
1: yeah, like they're gonna throw a helmet on them, like they put them behind <laughs> put him behind one of those pitcher cages like that they Part use for, for the background exactly. <laughs> just bring it in there and just like we're just gonna stick you behind this thing. You can still pitch, like still throw your hardest or whatever. Uh, but we're just gonna stick this thing here you'll be able to feel that once it bounces off this thing, It, got, but it'll save your life, like that kind of thing. <laughs> like, just going to be, we're going to to it So anyway, it's, it's an life.
2: uncomfortable situation today, but right now our system is calling out uh, both sides of this, uh, both the Blue Jays and the Orioles. I mean, I think the Blue Jays have more DFS-relevant bats than the Orioles do. Uh, like, like, you know, we've done some picking and choosing among those guys that bat towards the top of the Orioles lineup from some time from time to time, like Hans or Alberto or, or VR. Um, But our system right now is seeing a lot of value, especially on FanDuel, on the Toronto side with uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. just continuing to show up highly for us. Um, You know, even Grichuk taking him against Hess doesn't seem awful. Justin Smoke, uh, Eric Sogard, like I think there's a lot of different ways you can go, depending on how the Blue Jays lineup shakes out, that you're going to wind up with multiple Blue Jays probably going in your DFS lineup today.
1: Yeah, um, they've kind of kept like, that the top of the lineup relatively the same. Uh, the Blue Jays have with at least the Sogar Guerrero, the three, four, five spots will switch around every once in a while, um, so you can kind of keep an eye on where they land, where they land with those guys. Great hitters park too in Baltimore. Not one of the best in the league, but up a, among there. Um, so mm-hmm. I think you're getting you're getting pretty much everything lined out. And um, and like I said, like with, with Jackson and with Hess, uh, you're just there's a reason this game has an 11 over under between two t- between two teams that stink. <laughs> right. So it's, they, this shouldn't be lost on you either. It's like, you know, you can get you can get an 11 over under in Colorado. Like Colorado's a pretty bad offense. They just get to play in Colorado. Like it kind of makes sense. But these are the kind of lines you see when you just enter like the wind blow. When the uh, two teams that look like this in terms of makeup enter um, like the Colorado, the wind blowing out, you get 11. But other other times you can get it with you get just Edwin Jackson and David Hassan. Another line that I'm curious to hear your opinion on. And we mentioned Mitch Keller briefly before. The Pirates faced the Braves today. The Braves are right around five and a half implied runs against Keller. But Keller's like a real guy. And so I wonder sometimes where you land when, when we see sort of like maybe these rookies. He was terrible in his first start. But the, well, he was terrible in terms of runs. Um, we can discuss about whether he was actually terrible or not. But you see Keller. You know Keller's pedigree here. Where, you know Talk to us a little bit about where you land on a guy like this because you, you know, you're much more up in the prospect game than I am as well is this line correct like should a guy like mitch keller have five and a half implied runs against them or is it kind of just people vegas playing on the idea that we don't really know much about? we might not know much about him and he got hammered quote unquote hammered in his first start
2: yeah so keller coming into the season was just one of the top prospects in all of baseball especially among those guys who could conceivably get called up this year Uh, then he was phenomenal in triple a posting an 11.5 k per nine uh, 3.85 x 5 XFIP, which I guess is not, you wouldn't call that phenomenal. But one thing he's done throughout his minor league career is depress the home run ball at no stop. Did he have a home run per nine higher than 0.78? So you really have a hard time imagining that this guy's going to just get to the majors and just start getting bombed unless he's called up you know, way too early, which I just don't think is the case. I think the Pirates have actually been very patient with him. Uh, he was actually, in my opinion, pretty good in that first start. I mean, he struck out seven batters through four innings. Uh, kind of got Babbitt to death, which, again, is not really a problem for him in the minors. So I think the Keller, you know, you don't want to play him in DFS, probably. I think there's, you know, a lot of reasons why you shouldn't do that. Teams tend to be pretty careful but with their young pitchers in terms of pitch counts. Uh, the Braves are a relatively decent offense, but I don't know that I would go out of my way to stack Braves here either. I think that's a potential pitfall here because, I mean, both for cash games and big tournaments, Keller is definitely a guy with elite strikeout stuff. And I don't know that you want to be really sticking your neck out trying to chase runs against a guy. Like when you have teams like – or guys like David Hess and Edwin Jackson and Tommy Malone who we'll get to in a second pitching today, my, my opinion is sort of like why risk it against a guy who's just an actually good, talented pitcher, you know, uh, however tough that first start was. So, yeah, I, I think Keller – I'm not excited to stack bats against him today.
1: And this is a situation where, too, where the money line right now, Atlanta opens at minus 192. Uh, Pittsburgh plus 180. Uh, Look, we can talk about their offenses as well. The respective offenses, Atlanta's offense is much better than Pittsburgh. But this line to me does strike me as being born a little bit on an incredible run hot sequence by Soraka that we talked about before and maybe a misunderstanding about how good Keller actually is among maybe casual betters, right? Because I think that. This line strikes me as just having probably should be closer, and I think it's kind of borne on the fact that one guy's been really, really hot this year and one guy got bombed in his first start. So um, yep. the plus 180 doesn't look terrible to me if you think you're just going to get, again, one of the very best pitcher prospects in the game taking the mound who's given you all throughout the minors no reason to suspect that he can't really perform at the major league level. And, again, even four innings, his ex-fit was 3.5 in those four innings. It was just he got every single thing that went wrong could go wrong. So mm-hmm. I, I, I really, I'm, I'm kind of drawn to that plus 180 here, even understanding that the Pirates' offense is significantly worse uh, than than the Braves. Where else do you want? Where else can we go uh, before, in stacks before we get out of here? I, I think, but I do think that the, the Baltimore-Toronto game represents like sort of like what might be an overwhelming play in cash. But where else do you think you can go in terms of some offenses here?
2: Yeah. So another game with high, not as high, but still high total. Is this Philly Arizona game? And this game is actually a funny one too because, on one hand, let's talk about Zach Eflin first. Actually, uh, Eflin is a guy who you know with some pedigree that people were relatively excited about. Uh, you know, he's a control first pitcher who last season almost touched a strikeout per inning, and you know the 402 xFIP wasn't phenomenal. But again, he was only 24 years old, and he was a guy that I think a lot of people were sort of dreaming on as a sort of a sleeper coming into this season. Certainly, you and I were. So, this far or thus far, he has a 288 ERA and has a lot of people thinking, hey, the breakouts happened. You know, like this guy yeah. has actually delivered on all that promise. Except the underlying numbers don't really paint that picture. Um, Eflin this season striking out a batter and a half less per nine than he was last year, a 7.13 K per nine, and a relatively high fly ball rate means that he's basically just been getting by on spoken mirrors. And he gives up enough hard contact that. You just don't expect him to maintain a sub-3 era, sub era as the season progresses so i do like arizona against him i think merrill kelly is just kind of more obviously bad um his, his peripherals are actually pretty similar to eflin's but uh, he doesn't have the same prospect pedigree and the era has been pretty tough so i think that you can certainly take the philly side too and if you do get some savings on FanDuel. Uh, you go for Lujzi or something like that. Uh, you can probably play Bryce Harper against him, which I think is a truly, truly great spot.
1: Yeah, um, I'm I'm with you on all those points on Eflin. We're in the, we're hoping he would be, be a little bit better because we have him for our dynasty team. Um, and I think I mean it, we've gotten lucky with some of the other with some of the stuff that's gone on with him. We're trying to trade him. Hopefully, regardless, no but like, yeah, we're trying to ship.
2: because he's like as soon as anyone's like starting pitching, I'm gonna be knocking at the door with my Zach Eflin offers. So. The last, <laughs> hopefully, yeah. he can keep it going.
1: Last uh, team that I think you could see some heavy ownership on, um, as long as t- I'm seeing conflicting reports about who's starting for the Mariners here and some places they don't have a starter and other places is Tommy Malone. If Malone does start, I do think you could see heavy ownership again on the Twins with some of these righty bats. Uh, they're getting really just kind of crazy seasons from guys that you, yeah. I mean, they've always, they've, they've had guys that have had, have had good numbers in the past, but like. Jorge Polanco has got a, a close to a thousand OPS this year. Like he's got a nine eighty three nine eighty three OPS. The guy's a career under eight hundred OPS guy. So I, like he's got ten home runs already. He's that's three away from his career his career numbers. Mitch Garver has eleven hundred OPS this season in one hundred seventeen plate appearances, and then you get got like. Um, Lefty killers like Nelson Cruz, who was like a 90% start in cash games the other day when they faced the lefty. I can't remember who they faced, but it was something like And then CJ Kron had like 60%. So I think that mm-hmm. you're going to – you if, if Malone is the pitcher here, the top of that lineup of Polanco – not so much Polanco, he's getting a little expensive, but Garver, Nelson Cruz, CJ Cron, Miguel Sano's got like a crazy good OPS, even though it's like all based on slugging. <laughs> like there's, The Twins are a crazy team this year with what the seasons are getting from some of these guys in the mm-hmm. hitting department is like – almost like record-breaking in terms of OPS. It just, it's just hard to believe it's going to continue based on their historic stuff. But we did see ma- major ownership out of them the other day. So keep an eye on that. If Malone's confirmed the starter, I do think some of that shifts, and we do see, get some Minnesota Twins uh, stack action. All right, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started. Buddy, enjoy your Wednesday in baseball.
0: Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only.
1: All right, we did wanna jump on and talk some hoops. You and I spent all of, what night Sunday. was the game? Sunday night texting uh, about, uh, during the game. I watched in a, I watched by myself in like the one bar in this town <laughs> that I could find that was showing, I'm in, a, I'm in Mexico right now, in, a, in like a sleepy little town where I've had to like go and walk ahead of time to, it confirmed that they were definitely going to be showing it. And then I still had to ask them to change the channel. Um, <laughs> when once we were there, because I sent you a picture, I was like, got it on the big screen. And there was just like a farmer doing like something in the back. You're like, are they going to put the game on? I was like, Oh yeah. What's like, what's going on here? Like, why is the game not on? It was like a pregame before. They, they weren't understanding what exactly i think i said something
2: app. much more hilarious i think i said so you're watching that instead of the game or something
1: like that. yeah something like that and then i had to like run to the back to their control ask them in their control room to get it back up on the big screen anyway we texted most of the game today about the game yesterday we probably should have the amount we talked about it yesterday too we did like a kind of post-mortem <laughs> we should have just recorded this podcast yesterday in talking uh sort of some of our feelings about game five leading into game six but we wanted to kind of where do you want to start? I mean, I have a couple of feelings about going into game six. Do you want to kind of rehash some of the things that you had? You kind of you had your haunches up both on Sunday night and then going into the next day? Because there were multiple things that really stood out from this game that there's like just multiple talking points, really. We could probably do like an hour-long one. We're not going to be able to because of time constraints. But where do you want to start just in some of the reflection on game five and then going into game
2: six? Yeah, so I think the obvious one is the KD-Achilles tear and truly just an awful terrible situation all around I think that there's kind of a lot of unfair you know punditry surrounding the Warriors like made him play or whatever like I just think it's all speculation and until like unless Kevin Durant says that himself I would be pretty hesitant to you know assign that kind of blame I think it's the finals his team is about to be eliminated it's one of those injuries that it's very difficult to it's, a, it's an injury that's very difficult to assess like how it's going to work because it's basically just fine until it isn't, you know, like it's, it's more about planning and cutting. And, um, and it was just a mostly just a truly sad situation. It's obviously not what anyone would have hoped to happen. Now that we'll probably, Katie will probably miss most of next year too. And yeah, just, just terrible from top to bottom, but I'm not ready to go assigning any blame. I think the only thing I would be concerned about there would be is if the training staff cleared him And kind of like reluctantly, like where Durant was like, I don't know, guys, I trust you. What do you think? And they were like, go for it, man. I think that would be pretty crappy.
1: We'll just never know that too. We'll just never know. I mean, unless,
2: if Kevin Durant were to say that, then I would believe him, I think. But given that he hasn't, I'm not going to sit there and and speculate. It's just mostly, I think we can be sad about it without being outraged, at least on the, the Warrior Medical staff tip. Um, the thing that you can be outraged about, at least that I'm very outraged about, is the kind of gut reaction from the Toronto fans. This is amazing to see the world turn from them being like these lovable underdogs in Jurassic Park to just turning into just the absolute villains of the sports world in a matter of seconds. Like, that's been kind of fascinating and hard for me as an impartial observer of this game because I actually. I find myself rooting for fan bases as much as I root for the actual sure. teams, just because there's so many more people involved. And I'm like, man, these Toronto people seem all right, and now I don't feel that way. So yeah, you get like, I,
1: the, you know, the, you know, the the crowd sings "Oh Canada" before the game. Um, and exactly, it just it just is one of those like their yeah their fan base has been a, as much a talking point in the series as almost anything else. Uh, just right, they they have a celebrity basically spokesperson. It's funny they have a celebrity. Actually, I didn't realize this. I said this yesterday in our phone call to yes, phone call. And Simmons on his podcast brought up something very similar, that it would be nice if there was a, a, rep, a fan base representative. And then I was realizing, like, that could speak for, like, speak and, like, issue an apology. I always hate, like, canned apologies. This is, like, one time where I wouldn't mind having someone, like, that could come out and say it. But they actually have gone on one in Drake. So it's funny that they actually have sort of like a mascot, a fan mascot more than any other team in basketball does, um, I mean, I'm not expecting him to say anything or not. I, I was... Well, again, so here's I, the
2: thing though, but but the thing is, did Drake had the appropriate reaction in that situation? Like, if you well, actually watch the I, footage, I, yeah. he, he, I believe him when he says, Jude, this is horrible, we can't believe it, we wouldn't want to win this way, because he acted that way after it happened. Yeah. Like, I think the appropriate... Like, I think if you're being honest with yourself, like, I've I've been in situations where I've been really, really rooting for a sports outcome, okay? So I'm not like a robot who doesn't care about it at all and I was very emotionally invested in the Raptors winning this series too just because mostly I get bored of dynasties mm-hmm. and I just like like some of their players like Kawhi Lowry uh some of these guys and I understand the feeling like the initial feeling of especially when I was younger of like relief where you're like yo that's their best player like we're, we're probably going to win now you know like, I remember like having that thought pass through my head when Brady got hurt all those years ago when I was, like, a really, truly a uh, diehard Steelers fan. Now, the difference is when you're, like, gleeful or, like, jubilant and you're, like, waving at the guy and taunting him, that's not, oh, I'm rooting for my team. That's called, like, you're kind of an evil person and you're taking sports too seriously. So uh, that that's kind of how I left that feeling. And obviously it's, like, hashtag not all fans. And I get it that there are some people who are more reasonable, but it was just crappy. It was awful to watch. And it was very, like, the thing I think I texted you too is that I think it actually, him getting hurt affected the Toronto players more than it affected the Warriors players because it destroyed the flow of the game. And I think they were so disgusted by the reaction of their own fans that it was, like, distracting for them. Like, you know, Golden State piled onto the lead for in the first few minutes after that injury happened. And I think it's no accident. I think the fans directly... Distracted the Raptors, uh, and yeah, it was just hard to watch.
1: I did not have the sound on for this game, uh, so I was not able to f- pick this up. Injuries really bother me. I hate injuries. Mm-hmm. A- 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 they're-, they're just awful. Like they kind of sit with me. I don't like watching players get injured. So I'm actually glad that I was not able to see or, or basically hear those reactions because I kind of had no idea. Basically, cause I was they had playing like house music in the background, so I couldn't I couldn't hear what else was going on. All right, let's talk about some of the basketball pieces here. Toronto, you called it in the moment and texted me right when right when it happened. Toronto is up six with uh, up six three minutes and change left to go. They call a timeout. You s- immediately send off an angry text that says like basically expletive expletive. What are they doing? Expletive. Why? Why? <laughs> I would never
2: use that many expletives. So um, I don't want you to mislead our fan base.
1: The, um, like what are they doing? This timeout is the stupidest thing ever. And it kind of ends up f- being the case. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the game turns on that timeout. It really sure seemed like it did. That and then they end up going off and losing. Do you think when when it's all said and done, that is like that ends up being like the ultimate turning point of the series, as much as the as much as the Kevin Durant injury? What are your feelings going on into Game Six here with Toronto going back to the Golden State? They are three point underdogs, um, which is basically just basically Vegas saying it's it's a pick 'em and you're getting the three points. Uh, it's more like it's actually typically like more like one and a half two points for home uh, home court. Um, where do you land on on kind of that turning point here and where we are, what we're looking at going into Game Six?
2: Right, so I think going into Game 6, I think the best proxy is probably Game 4. You know, it's going to be a much more normal game. You're going to have an overwhelming talent advantage on the Toronto side, in my opinion. And Golden State's even more hurt now than they were in Game (laughs) 4. Like, uh, sure, Durant's gone for good, obviously. Um, But Kibon Looney, I think he's another... Kind of underrated piece here a he devastating wasn't super... loss devastating loss for them well he might he might play by the way um, oh i thought
1: he was out th- i thought he was confirmed out the rest of the talk
2: now is that he's optimistic actually that he's oh going to play
1: this guy this guy is, this guy deserves like some kind of postseason award for like iron man this guy's playing with a freaking like boat broken shoulder blade like um
2: yeah so it's a, it's a fracture around the collarbone and optimistic
1: re- i cannot believe this i thought for, oh maybe i just misread it that he was out for the rest of the game last game i like yeah, yeah. i cannot so he, believe-
2: so he re the injury after that crash in the third quarter um, they took him out because the pain was just simply overwhelming. Now, it's, it's an interesting subplot here is that all along, like the media has been like broken collarbone. Like you can't put this guy out here. But then like kind of giving the Golden State trainers the benefit of the doubt because they've been like, oh, well, you can't actually aggravate the injury. It's just going to be painful. And yeah. so that's what Looney, Looney's been operating under. But this is also the same training staff that just okayed and signed off on a situation that led to the worst injury in finals history probably (laughs) so like are they going to be just as cavalier with looney now like yeah you can't aggravate this injury man it's going to be fine like what if it's just not fine like at some point can he like sue them for an unsafe workplace because i'll tell you what dude with him out there grimacing like every time like a forearm comes down on his collarbone i just like wince reflexively i've had an issue around my collarbone as you know for a long time in my uh my first rib area there and it's just so painful. <laughs> like even like the slightest bumps. Like if I catch a door frame as I walk through, it's painful. So I can't imagine like Serge Ibaka crashing over for an offensive rebound, or like um, when a bully walks
1: down the hall towards you and just gives you the shoulder. Like that's one of those. Well, that, like when that
2: happens to me too, it's been like guys, we're, we're almost forty. You know, I'm just like,
1: trying to get to my locker. Come on, man. God. Shut like, up, nerd. <laughs> that's why I can't
2: I can't go back to New Jersey anymore. It's All the bullying, it's just outrageous. Um, but, yeah, so, so I, I do think Looney is going to be less effective in this game than he was in Game 4-2. And I just think the the dubs, they're just outmanned. I mean, yeah. one of the things you texted me about uh, at some point, I can't remember, but you were like, the dubs have shot like 48% from three. Toronto shot 25% from three, and they down, they're they down four. And then you sent me like a work and a win uh, gif or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, right, yeah, like Golden State, they have otherworldly best-of-all-time level shooters still really tough to shoot 50% from three. So
1: they have no um, more, they have no more shots to fire here. And the pun intended like they, um, I, I love from a betting perspective, the plus three for Toronto and the money line here. I love it. Like I, I, I'm, I think it's almost a lock. Like, I just don't see, lock, I, 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 I can't I, look. It's easy to look at this end of this last game and say, well, Durant was hurt. Golden state did it on the road. And they won, and I'm not taking anything away from that. Like it was a, it was an unbelievable win. I, I frankly can't believe they won, uh, even with the timeout. Forget with the timeout, whatever. Like the timeout, that one thing shouldn't affect. They still came back from six. Like, it's a, it's a crazy, gutted-out win.
2: Yeah, they made 3 threes, two um, threes.
1: One thing that basketball yeah. does, all the time, is regresses to the mean, and this is the thing we see all. It, 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 it'll be the thing that what's why it's why basketball, in a lot of ways, is so predictive. It's why sometimes it gets boring near the end of these things because it's like once you give a seven game series the best team usually wins the best team just wins and there's no doubt about it the current makeup of these two teams toronto is just the better team i i i there's i cannot be unconvinced of that they're still look they're still series favorites to win and that's because they have to only win one and golden state has to win two so that's what the odds are born out of that but um and of all the of any team (laughs) in terms like a mental factor where like a a really bad loss like that I'm less worried about it affecting like the key components specifically Kawhi. Like Toronto is just like that team to me. Like I, like I guess they, they they don't seem like they get shook really. And like and mostly it's because Kawhi is just like I, I mean whatever people want to call it locked in. I have other terms that I think that I, I think describe him. But like the, the he uh, he doesn't care. That guy's just gonna go out and just do his same thing. And when you say game four, uh, excuse me, game games three and game four were, like better proxies. They went into Golden State and just smashed them game three by fourteen, and then beat them by thirteen in game four. Like then, they then Durant comes back and they. Well, Clay it. wasn't there in, in game three, so why okay, th- game four. Is Still, it. they won by thirteen. So they they won by thirteen with Clay back, and Clay played that whole game. And so, I don't know, man. I think that this. I think this. Uh-huh. I think this line to me is a complete overreaction to one game, and I think that Toronto takes the series here. I, I think that they're going to come out very focused. I don't think it's going to, I don't, they're not, they're not a team that seems like this kind of stuff bothers them. The coach, this, the, Nick Nurse, this stuff doesn't bother him at all. This guy does crazy things sometimes. And a lot of times they've worked out the season. Sometimes they don't. That kind of mentality is like perfect for this kind of situation. Like I, I get the sense from him having just kind of watched what his, like his sort of demeanor and the way he approaches games. I kind of just don't think that stuff's going to bother him either. Like I just, I don't know, man. I, I, am I going crazy here? Like being like, I, I feel. So
2: here's I, the path. I, I think you're right. I mean, Vegas would tell you as well that Toronto is favored to win the series. They've got two cracks at it. I think that you are right that the line is wrong. You know, the plus three seems too generous. Um, I think Golden State was one point favorites going into Toronto. So basically, that line suggests that nothing is different except Durant's not playing anymore. <laughs> so I think that, right. like, I don't, I bet you see those two lines seem inconsistent to me. And certainly Durant, even Durant, even twelve minutes of Durant is worth more than three points a game, from my perspective. Like this guy, when he was out there, was three for three from three, scored eleven points in those twelve minutes, had a block and two boards. Like, yeah, he wasn't hundred percent, but he was a lot better than wherever those twelve minutes are headed from here. I'll tell you that much. And right. um, and so here's the path, though. I think if Golden State's going to win, a few key things have to happen. A, the Clay, Dre, Steph trio need to not be exhausted. They each played 41 or more minutes. That's pretty tough. Um, those, I think, are the three uh close. So, yeah, th- those three-minute totals are right around what Kawhi and Lowry played, but no other player on Toronto played even more than 34 minutes. I think Toronto's core guys are going to have more energy going into this game. The path for me is... We need to get the good parts of Boogie without the bad parts. Um, good luck. Boogie was super... Well, I, I know, I know. I'm just trying to give you the path, all right? <laughs> so here's the good parts. He was very, very effective scorer in the last game. Um, he was really sort of having his way down low. I think he's building himself back up to game speed. And at least offensively, the Raptors are having a hard time with him. Um, the problems with Boogie, of course, are the mental game is still very weak. You know, he's getting 4 fouls in 20 minutes is too many. Obviously, the two goaltends late in the game were pretty brutal. The offensive foul, the, the moving screen or whatever, you can call it a tiki-taki call if you want, but he he didn't even try to sell it. Like He just literally stuck his butt out backwards and hip-checked. I can't remember who was coming off that screen with Curry. Uh, I think it was Lowry. It is Lowry. It Lowry. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but so that's the path. You get good boogie, not bad boogie. It's more like the Game 2 plan where he can play 27 minutes and be effective. Um I th- and then I think from there you just need to run hot from three again. I don't, I don't really know how else you get around it. And that's I think it. Yeah. that's a lot. That's a lot to ask. I mean, it's too much. I, to ask. This is why this I'm game. so confident.
1: This is why I'm so mm-hmm. confident. It's too much to ask. Like you need, like Boogie. Yeah, he's been. I'm with you. He's been good on offense. He's been an absolute disaster on defense. Um, yeah. He 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 had. He's, I don't like plus minus is, is a very wonky stat. So I'm not. I I don't usually like to look at plus minus because it matters as much of who you're playing with, um, as anything else. He was, he had 14 points in 20 minutes and was a minus four because he gets, they just, they blitz him on the other side time and time again. Like they want him to be on defense. Um, again, well, he lost I, track of
2: Gasol for at least one of those threes and a layup. And to say nothing of Abaca, when Abaca's been in there essentially as the not even a stretch five, but like. Almost like a an unstretch five <laughs> when he comes in there and just starts crashing the boards. Like he looks absolutely invincible against the Golden State front court when he goes down low. Like when Looney's not out there, Abaka absolutely has his way, and that was very apparent when he was up against Boogie. Yeah.
1: And the other thing too is you get You're getting and they lost one of these games. Um, but Clay has shot 54% from three, 60% from three, 67% from three, and 50% from three in these four Jesus. games. Now they've only won two of those. Like they, that, they're two for four in those shooting performances. The one that, where he shot sixty, played forty-two minutes, shot sixty percent from three. They lost by thirteen. Jeez. This is that's and that's the game. That's the proxy game that you that you're mentioning again. Too, I'm not like drawing these things. I'm not blaming. You. I I I'm with. I'm I agree almost all your points. But like the, like they got that game from him in game three and got dumpstered anyway. Right. So like, what is the, what can change really? Like I don't like. I just don't. He. God forbid he regresses to his 45% or whatever, they lose by 20. <laughs> like, I, just don't, I just don't really know where it's coming from, and that's really where I can't see it. I can't see where the scoring is coming from. Like, Igudala can do nothing on offense. We talked about Cousins. Draymond, they've got his number pretty much. Um, they're giving him wide-open threes when he wants them, and they're saying if you want to come to the basket, you're in big trouble. And then after that, the bench of these guys like uh, you know Looney, he's not an offensive guy. Livingston's been kind of a disaster. Uh, and then it just gets wor- – it, it arguably gets worse from there. Like, you get, like, Miracle Quinn Cook shooting games. I, good luck trying to get one of those again. Like, I, I don't know, man. I just don't see it at all. And I think that way too much of it is borne off this de- sort of devastating loss. It's Golden State. They're going to rally behind. At some point, you just don't have the firepower. I hate to say it. I get that this is a transcendent, like, historic team. It's been a fun run. Maybe they pull it off. If they pull this off, I, I – this is the greatest win. This is the greatest finals victory ever. If they if they win these next two games, I mean, it we, would be the
2: second ever comeback from down three one, and it would be without their best players. So yeah, it, that's what I mean. This, say, is the, this is this is it. This is the best comeback. This is
1: the best one ever. If they pull this off, they pull these. Ne- if they win these three games with what's happened here, this is the greatest finals victory of all time. I'm not a basketball historian like some other people, so I look. I go. Someone can go back and tell me I'm wrong about that. I know like the LeBron Kyrie year, but like this would be something else. Any okay, we're gonna get out of here. Any other final. NBA thoughts. I'm very excited for game. I'm going back to the same place, but I'm watching in the same place. I'm not one of these people that's going to pivot. Um, I'm going back to Los Campaninos. I can't remember the name of this Is I should give, I should give them a shout out. They treated me right. They treated me right in this place. I watched that. <laughs> <laughs> Any other final thoughts before we get out of here?
2: Just a quick question. Are you going back there to, uh try to hang out with those chicks that invited you to watch the game i got hit
1: on i got hit on look i'm gonna bring this i was kind of saving this because i'm starting another podcast about the nets I, uh, we, we got nets podcast is going to be coming right after the playoffs it's going to be on uh, the DFSR channel not with you though it's going to be um did you are, submit a
2: payment by the way for advertising the podcast on the pod so far because yeah i'm not involved in that project and it just know, doesn't okay. seem right that you're just going to be i was going to so, say
1: i was going to save the story for that podcast but i'll tell it real quick so I'm sitting there by myself in this bar in this like one, like this like sort of private room because that's where they're showing in the big screen by myself. And this woman comes out of the bathroom. I would call her like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm not gonna rank her. It doesn't matter what you look like. So uh, I don't wanna be a chauvinist. So yeah, she comes over to me. already says, did. We, we get the picture, going <laughs> I'm just saying that maybe my reaction would have been, you know, 10 to 20% different, had been a different, slightly different situation. So she comes over to me and says, oh, you watch? I think she had an accent. You're watching the game? I'm staring at this like a hundred-inch projected t- screen, just staring at it, like with my phone out, like just staring at the game, watch the game. Uh-huh. I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." She goes, "You like basketball?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My friends and I are watching in the other room. You want to come watch with us? I was like, "Nah, I'm good." And I, you text, I text, I was like, I, well, I texted very excited. I'm like, I still got it. Yeah, I'm still getting hit on." It, it was a, cl- a clear no for me uh, to go to the other room. Happily married, love you, baby. Listens, big full-time listener. Um, but uh, you were like, "What was your reaction?" I was like. I was mostly annoyed because she like kind of positioned herself in front of the television, so I was like kind of craning my neck to look, <laughs> to, to, to sort of look around her and like give the polite no. But anyway, still, so a little bit annoyed that I missed part of the game. Still very happy that your boy has still got it um, when he goes to the bar. So yeah, so maybe I get hit on again. Who knows? Anything's possible.
2: The, the, they're probably the, trying to rob you or something that would be my guess
1: yeah it's just like it wasn't quite i wasn't quite dra- <laughs> that's true just getting just getting dragged out and this is like one of those horror stories you hear about mexico it's like yeah like it, it all really looked, hostile you know? <laughs> it all looked good and then he woke up without his wedding ring or his wallet and just some some alley somewhere all right we're gonna get out of here daily fantasy sports rankings.com dfsr.com slash deals buddy enjoy game six i'll text you the whole time
2: peace
0: Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025 select styles only.